The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we begin listening to the last sermon in the series on a man after God's own heart. This is a sad episode in the history of the nation of Israel. It's the time when Saul, their first king, is slain in battle. Saul had started out in a hopeful manner. He was head and shoulders above all the rest in Israel, and people had great expectations for his reign. But Saul descended into sin, which brought misery to him and to his family. And ultimately, we see the culmination of the misery of sin in this message today. Join us today and tomorrow as we conclude the series, A Man After God's Own Heart, by seeing how far sin will take you and the depths of misery to which you'll sink when you willfully disobey God. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. For weak and worthless though I am, I have a rich, almighty friend. Jesus the Savior is His name. He freely loves and without end. He He cheers my heart, my one. 
preach to you this morning about the misery of sin. We're about to close 1 Samuel. We're about to end up with that. And, and we're going to begin in this 28th chapter of 1 Samuel, but we're going to, we've already dealt with some first two verses, and we're going to deal, already dealt with verse, chapters 29 and 30. We're going to deal with most of chapter 28 and all of chapter 31. And what we're going to deal with today is the final chapter in the life of King Saul. You know, 1 Samuel opened up with the birth of a, of a baby that was to be a great prophet. And it closes with the death of a guilty man, King Saul, the first king of the nation of Israel. 1 Samuel begins with God speaking to young Samuel the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And it closes with God refusing to speak with Saul, the first of the kings of Israel. And probably the most important lesson that we can learn, both from the life of David, but especially from the life of King Saul, is that whenever we move away from God, we are moving toward trouble. Saul and David, they were both like that. And here we see the final chapters in Saul's life he is a man in misery because of the unrepented sin in his life. I believe from this record we'll find and we'll be able to be convinced this morning that he was a child of God. We as primitive Baptists believe in perseverance in the sense of we ought to persevere in grace, but we don't believe in perseverance in the sense that, that we will absolutely persevere in good works. I want to say to you, child of God, one of the things that lessons that I hope we get from this today is the potential in every one of us for going to the same place Saul went, yes. for dying in the same way Saul died. And of course, the last thing that we need to always keep in mind, and it's the undergirding foundation I trust for your life and for mine, is praise God that even though we may get as far away from God as King Saul got, God never got so far away from Saul that Saul won't be in heaven when we get there. I think we'll be able to see from this that he was a child of God. But, oh, child of God, what a lesson we must learn from the lives of people like Saul and Lot. Lot is someone that if you looked at his life, at the end of his life, you would say, oh, there's no way he was really a child of God. And that's what a lot of the perseverance teaching is, is that if you don't persevere, you never were one in the first place. Praise God it's not that way. Now, that doesn't mean we got a license to go out and live like we want to. We ought to persevere in good works. We ought not do the things that Saul and Lot did. But I'm so thankful we're in the hands of a sovereign and a grace-filled, almighty God. So this morning, I want us to look at the misery of sin. And we'll look at it in the context of the life of Saul. And we'll begin reading in Chapter 28 and verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those, those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Keep that thought. We'll come back. That's important. We'll come back to it shortly. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. I want you to see here what's about to open up on this last phase 
It's like, a, it's like a movie opening up. The first scene of the last phase of Saul's life is opening up on a night of distress for Saul. A night of distress for this man who has moved away from God. The first thing we read about here is Saul's fear. Now chapter 3, I mean verse 3 rather, tells us that Samuel was dead. And we'd already read about that earlier, but that sort of gives us a, the understanding of why the Philistines were getting ready to attack. At this point, God's prophet was dead, and it seemed to be the most opportune time for the enemies of God to come in. Let me just say to you that sometimes uh, I've seen it happen in churches when, when maybe there's been a preacher or a pastor in a church that's been there for a long time and has been a good, sound minister, and that person moves off the scene. That's a good time for the enemies of God to come in and start attacking. I've seen churches fall when a, when a long time, especially a sound uh, minister, has, uh, has been at a church. And then, and then that person dies or he leaves that church and then the next thing you know the enemies of God come in and take that opportunity to attack. I'm telling you this because uh, that could happen here. Not that I'm this great preacher or pastor or anything but, but I've been here for a while and, I, and Lord willing I'll be here for a while but my point is this is that if that situation occurs where maybe I'm here for 20 years or maybe maybe I pass on off the scene and you, you get, a, get a better preacher like Brother Buddy in here that, this year for 20 years but at the point where, where you've had a strong leader, at a point where you've had a sound man of God, and that man moves on, that's when the enemies of God will take an opportunity to attack. And that's why it's incumbent upon each of you and me and all of us to be grounded in the Word of God and to be sound in the faith, you see. But be that as it may, the Philistines had gathered themselves together and they were getting ready to attack in verse 5, when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. Now, I'm not going to take time to review the whole life of Saul, but I think we know what's happening here. Saul has been rebellious. He's been an enemy of God in many ways. He's been opposed to God. He's not listened to God when God has sent opportunities upon him to uh, repent of his evil doing. You know, the first thing that happened is instead of, instead of falling on his knees and repenting after he disobeyed God in, in the matter of the Amalekites, all he listened to his advisors. They said, let's just, let's just get him somebody that will soothe his symptoms, you know. Let's give him an aspirin. Let's don't, let's don't give him the full-blown chemotherapy that will take care of the problem. Let's just, let's just dull the pain. Let's just, so he got David to come in and start playing the harp. And when he would get all down and depressed and the evil spirit would come upon him, he'd just kind of be able to get away from it all in the music that David, he would check out in the music that David would provide for him, you see. He didn't have this repentant heart even from the beginning. And you know the rest of the story. Jealousy and anger and ultimately murder was in his heart. And when the time came where he was about to fight the greatest battle of his career, he was away from God. He was not in the will of God. He was not in fellowship with God. And I want to say to you, brethren, that's a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be when you're not in fellowship with God and a crisis comes up in your life. And I say, <laughs> we read about it here, but preacher, do you know anything about it? I sure do. I sure do. Because you know what? I've been there. I suspect you may have been there too, but I know I've been there. I've been there when, when the crisis arises and I know my life and my heart are not right with God. Now, understand me when I use that phrase. 
I always have to explain it because in the Armenian world, that means getting right with God to go to heaven. But I'm talking about those whose hearts have been pricked by the Holy Spirit, those who have been born again, your heart can also be not right with God. Depending on how you're studying, depending on how close you are in fellowship with Him, your heart, you know, may not be right with God. He told Paul told or Peter told Simon the sorcerer over there in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, Thy heart is not right with God, but we know, we understand he was a child of God. Our hearts need to be right with God, beloved. We need to be close to Him because when the crisis comes, we need God's fellowship. We need His foundation. We need Him to be with us and not against us. I need to be able to flee to His throne of grace. But we're going to see in a minute that there's times, there's times when God, is as if the throne room of God is closed up to us. And it's not because of God. God's not the problem. Fear born of a lack of faith and a guilty conscience, had overtaken Saul. And look at verse 6. Look at Saul's failure here. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Now, all that's talking about there is those were the ways God engaged with His people in that day. Sometimes by dreams, sometimes by Urim, which were the the ephod and those various things that the priests use in order to discern the will of God and the prophets, none of them were open to Saul when he inquired of the Lord. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me. It's also one of the, one of the verses that strikes fear into my heart. Because you know, I've been there. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Where you open your mouth or you open your heart and you try to pray to God and you feel like He's not there. <laughs> You just feel like he's not listening. Now, there are times when that happens, and it's not your fault. It's not, it's not you that's the problem. There are times when that happens when the world and, and the devil is trying to deceive you and, and the flesh is you know, trying to deceive you. There are times when, when that, that is happening and it's not your fault. But there are times, beloved, and I've been there when it was my fault that I couldn't feel the presence of the Lord. I've been out of the will of God. <laughs> I can write a book about what it means to be out of the will of God. <laughs> and it's not a pretty place to be. It says that he tried praying, but apparently he had waited too long. Now, let me, let me qualify that by saying this. It's never too late to repent, to confess, to humble yourself before God. It's never too late. Now, it may be too late for the consequences of your sin not to come upon you. It can get to that point. But it's never too late to feel the fellowship, to, to feel, fall on your knees in, in repentance and confession and feel the fellowship of God. But I want you to remember something very important, child of God. God is not the great bellhop of heaven. God is not the great grocer in the sky. <laughs> you sit in your list and say, here's what I need, Lord. Here's what I want, Lord. He doesn't say, oh, let me hop to it. I'll go get you whatever you want. He's not a genie in a bottle that you can rub and get him to come out and give you three wishes. God is the great holy God of heaven. And when we live a life of rebellion against him, He's not going to respond in the way. He may not respond at all to us. 
Psalm 66 and verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I believe that verse as strongly as I believe Ephesians 1 and 4. <laughs> it's true, child of God. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord's not going to listen to us. Now, that's not talking about that we've got to be sinlessly perfect before Him because we know that David was not sinlessly perfect. But David was a man who did not... And when he says regard, he means puts it on a pedestal and, and, and you know has great regard for it, you see. You know, so many times in my life, I want to keep one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdoms of this world. We all have that, don't we? And, 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 and there's a sense in which we have to live that way because we're not out of this world. We live in this world. But the, the question is, do you regard this world? Do you regard it in your heart? Do you regard the iniquity? Is there some pet sin that you just don't want to get rid of and say, well, I'll just ask the Lord to forgive me. I'll do it, but i ask the Lord to forgive me. You know what Hebrews writer, I believe it is, he said, he said, when we sin willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of the judgment of God, which is just. You know, God is a great loving God, but he's also a just God. And one of the great things about God is that one day he's going to set right all the wrongs of this world. Now, we get high and lifted up about that sometimes, and I get excited. I'm excited about it. We ought to rejoice in that. <laughs> That's one of the things that the, they're singing about in heaven today, that he's the creator, and he's the just God, and he's, he's, he's created all things for himself, and he's going to set it all right one day. But lest we get too high and lifted up, let's remember that you and I are in that same category. <laughs> We're in the same category of having, having iniquity in our lives and having problems in our lives, sin in our hearts, I'm not talking about the fact that we've got to be sinlessly perfect, but here's what he's saying. Don't be elevating sin above God. I, I am a sinner above all sinners, I believe, in my own heart. But I hate it. I hate it. Now, you know, yeah, there's, I'm schizophrenic. There's times I love it, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I love it sometimes. But, but, but my heart of hearts, I hate it. You know, that's what the new birth does. New birth doesn't take away sin, but it sure changes your mind about it. It makes you hate it. I hate what I do. Paul says the same thing. He's not, that which I would, I do not. That which I would not, that I do. He comes to the conclusion, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know, that's where I am, and that's where Saul was. But now Saul was in a little different category as well. And you and I need to, be, we need to understand that and be able to avoid it because he had lived a life of rebellion against God. He was in willful, constant rebellion against God, and he knew better. Twice he came across David, and David could have killed him. And they had an encounter where they, you know, David was smart enough not to go down into, the, into, into his enemy's face and talk to him because he knew he would kill him. But he stayed a little ways away from him, which teaches us a great lesson, by the way, that we can engage with our enemies, but we better do it at a distance. The enemies of God don't need to be in our circle of communion, okay? They need to be at a distance. But this man who was a child of God, I believe, just like David was, they talked with each other, and both times he said, you're exactly right, David. I know better than what I'm doing. And then he went right back into doing the same thing again. See, he was living a life of rebellion. 
And the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Perhaps he was thinking about Saul. You know, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says that uh, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I, I realize the world mixes that up and makes, it, makes it, you think that has to do with going to heaven. That doesn't have to do with going to heaven, child of God. That has to do with here and now. That has to do with your walk with God right now. Don't, don't think that's a one-time prayer that you have to pray to get to heaven. <laughs> that's not a one-time prayer. That's not, that's not anything you can do to get to heaven. But that's a constant state of confession that you ought to be in and I ought to be in. Confessing our sins. And not just, you know, I've heard this confession. Well, if I've done anything wrong, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> That's not much of a confession, is it? <laughs> oh, I, you know, if you ever heard somebody come and apologize to you, say, if I've offended you in any way, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, I've said that too, and I, I realize we sometimes are sincere in what we're saying, but that's not much of an apology, you know. You need to go to somebody and say, Brother, I have done this and this and that and the other. And I'm sorry for it. When we confess to God, it ought to be that way. Lord, I know I did this today. I took your name in vain. I lived in a way that wasn't, wasn't uh, pleasing to you. I've, done, I've been uh, mean to my family. I've been ugly to somebody. You know, whatever it is, you need to confess it. You know, one of the best confessions that you'll ever read is Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Let's look at it just for a second. This isn't particularly where I wanted to go today, but, but I think we ought to look at it just for a second. Chapter 51, and this is, notice the caption of Psalm 51. We're going to come back to this, and I believe this is the difference between David and Saul. This is the difference between God's dealings with David and Saul. Notice the caption of the psalm. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Oh, what a prophet he was. <laughs> he walked up to the king, the one that had the power of life and death over him, and he pointed in his face and said, Thou art the man. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us, I'll tell you. That's what he does to us. Our conscience, our conscience walks up to us sometimes and points us in the face and says, You are the man that has sinned against God. But notice... Saul would try to continue to uh, hide his sin and to cover his sin. But notice what David said. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He didn't say, I slipped up here, Lord. I, you know, I'm sorry and I'm going to go to rehab and get better. You know, he said, you know, is that, is that not what... Let me just get off on a tangent for a second. I've been reading, as you have, I'm sure, seeing on TV this wave of sexual harassment and sexual assault and allegations that have come out and um, things that have been going on, as you and I know, in Hollywood for years. And isn't it amazing when someone gets caught like that, they say, well, I'm going to go check into rehab and, uh, and we'll get my life back together. There's been very few people, but there's been very... I haven't seen Harvey Weinstein or anybody else fall down on their... I, I'm waiting to see one of those senators or representatives fall down on his face in the, in the well of the Senate there and say, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm waiting to see that. I hadn't seen that yet. I hadn't seen that yet. I've seen a lot of people, sorry they got caught. 
Saul was sorry he got caught. That's the difference in Saul and David. David, on the other hand, said, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. <laughs> he wasn't concerned about social media. He wasn't concerned about, he'd had his sin covered up. He could have had Nathan killed. He could have said, Nathan, come here, old boy. We're going to get rid of you now and cover up the sin even further. But he didn't do that. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And notice verse 4. And you need to keep this in mind, child of God. You and I need to remember this. We always talk about somebody having done me wrong. I've done you wrong. I've sinned against you. You hadn't, you hadn't sinned against me. I hadn't sinned against you. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. He's talking to God, not the congregation, not the media, not even the victim. Against thee, God, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You know, I, I like to hear, I like to be in front of a judge that is clear when he renders his decision. Sometimes they don't, they're not as clear as they should be. But I want to say to you, the great judge of all the earth is clear <laughs> when he renders his decision. He, he is clear. Because you know why? Because I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, David confessed. But that's not, that's not where we are in the life of Saul. We're not at that point because Saul has lived a life of denial, a life of rebellion, a life of covering up. And now he's at the point where God will not hear him. Now, over in, we, don't, we won't turn there. We don't have, have time. But in, in the third chapter of Matthew and in Luke's writing, I believe it's the third chapter as well, John the Baptist comes on the scene. He says, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus preaches the same message later. And he tells those Pharisees and those listening to him, he said, you bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. And, and what he's saying there, and we understand it today, to mean that, that in order to come into the kingdom of God, the visible aspect of it, the church of the living God, then there's, there's some changes in life and living that need to be made. If you're living in sin, you need to quit living in sin. If, you, if, you're, if there's a habitual sin in your life, you need this, this public and open particularly you need to change that. You know, you need to repent and bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, those that are suitable or befitting uh, uh, repentance. That is, there's a difference in your life. And that's a different repentance than what's given in the new birth. You can't have this kind of repentance if you haven't already been granted repentance or a change of mind in the new birth. But what he's talking about here is he says, you bring forth fruits meat for repentance you change the way you're doing things you know if you're a if you're a person that doesn't like people you need to get over that if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of god <laughs> you need to become you know I, i'm like anybody else i just soon go home and shut the doors and lock everybody out and have nobody don't be hospitable don't don't be around people anymore it's a whole lot easier you know than to have to deal with one another <laughs> you know i might make you mad you might make me mad it's just a lot easier to stay home but you can't do that you can be part of the kingdom of God. That's right. You can't be 
Uh, you can't be angry and you can't be short-tempered. You can't be, you know, what if every time we had a business meeting and somebody had a position that they wanted about this building, that they stood up and started demanding and yelling and screaming. You know, I've heard of that happening in business meetings in primitive Baptist churches. <laughs> it can happen. But I want to say to you, it's not appropriate for the kingdom of God. There needs to be some repentance and some changing in your way of dealing with people and your way of looking at things if you're going to be part of the kingdom of God. But Saul's heart was filled with iniquity. <laughs> Saul was still in rebellion. And, you know, <laughs> when you're in rebellion against God, living in continual sin without any iota of repentance or confession, did you know it's as if you haven't even asked of God and the heavens will be silent? Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.